Before today's episode, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and recognise their continued connection to the beautiful land and sea. I'd also like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, and I extend this acknowledgement to the traditional owners of the land my listeners are on. Welcome to Ritual the Podcast, your cottage in the woods, a sacred space for the witches, the healers, the magical folk to meet and speak of wisdom, witchery, and old world magic, where people come to learn, to hear stories, to share secrets, and to be free to be their true selves. Welcome to Ritual. Hello and welcome back to Ritual. My name is Amy Harvey and I am very excited to be with you once again. Uh, I hope that you are going well. We have just celebrated Samhain here in the Southern Hemisphere only just a few days ago. Uh, So I hope that if you celebrated, you had a really beautiful Samhain. Um, What did I do for it? I actually had the pleasure of running a magical class all about Samhain on the actual day, uh, which was amazing. And the group of women that came along were just so beautiful and we just had some like really magical moments. So I feel very fortunate to have spent my Samhain with so many beautiful witches Um, And then I came home and my beautiful family had made a Samhain feast, which was so nice. And we had a candle set out for any lost souls that needed company. Um, I also had some crazy dreams around that time. I don't know if anybody else did as well, but I certainly did. And uh, which was kind of cool, actually. I I always like having a good crazy dream. But yes, that was that was my Samhain. Um, I hope that yours was just as magical and I hope that if you are listening from the northern hemisphere that you had a blessed Beltane and enjoyed all that beautiful fairy magic that would have been swirling around you. Um, Now this week's episode of Ritual is with Tanae Stewart and she is just an absolute pleasure to chat with. I think one of my most favorite things about this podcast um, is that I get to meet all these amazingly magical souls who just have so much wisdom and knowledge and stories to share. And Tanae was definitely one of those people. She's just like, seriously, I think you'll absolutely love this interview because I loved chatting with her. She's just beautiful. So uh, strap in and enjoy uh, my chat with Tanae Stewart. So I think it would be, it would probably have to be last year. I was on Instagram and I remember these Insta stories popped up and there was this like beautiful house and it had been decorated for Sarwin and this person went through their house and they showed me all these like cozy like pumpkins and like all these cute things and I was like this person is totally my vibe <laughs> and I'm so excited because she is with me right now She is an amazing author of books such as The Modern Witch's Guide to Magical Self-Care and The Modern Witch's Guide to Natural Magic. She is an astrologer. She has her own podcast. She's a spiritual coach. She's a cottage witch. She's like one of those people that can just like do a whole bunch of things really well. (laughs) She she is the witch of Lupine Hollow. It is Tanae Stewart. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. I love that intro. (laughs) (laughs) oh yay thank you thank you for being here today it's so exciting to have you yeah I'm so happy to be here I think this is my first Australian podcast oh congratulations (laughs) and welcome (laughs) whereabouts are you you're in the U.S. whereabouts I'm in California oh yeah I'm in northern California so like a little bit north of San Francisco beautiful I love California it's got a cool vibe there I love it yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place to live. Yeah, totally. Now, I know that you are you're very similar to me in that I know you're very into rituals. You love a good ritual. 
And one thing I am really fascinated about is how people start their mornings. I always love hearing people's morning ritual because I think it's like a really good uh, insight into them and also just how they like to start their day. So do you have your own morning ritual? And it could be magical, mundane, or a bit of both. Yeah, definitely. So pretty much the first thing that I do is make a cup of tea. Like tea is a yes. really important part of my practice. Um, it's just, I don't know, so innate to me. Like I, yeah. I drink a lot of tea mm-hmm. <laughs> and not all of it is ritualized. Um, but that first cup in the morning is just like kind of special, you know? So a lot of times I'll choose a tea blend that's like somewhat seasonal. Like I work with a lot of flowers and herbs and things. So, you know, I'll choose something that's, that's either seasonal or kind of connected to the moon phase or something like that. So it's kind of like the first intentional, intentional part of my day. Um, and then I guess I do kind of, I, that's an interesting question. I've never really thought how I mix kind of the magical and the mundane in my morning, but definitely do, you know? Um, so I'll make the cup of tea and then kind of while the kettle's boiling, usually I'll like put the clean dishes away from the night before, like, you know, do some things in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then once my tea is ready, I take it back upstairs and go back to the bedroom. Um, and I'll usually get back in bed. I have a little altar in kind of my main altar in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll light some candles, get back in bed with my tea. And then I have a, just a little regular notebook, um, that I keep as kind of like my daily, daily journal or daily grimoire. Um, And usually what I do is I write down what phase and sign the moon is in and kind Mm -hmm. of what that's activating in my own chart. Um, So I write that down just quickly. I mean, that's like a really easy thing for Mm -hmm. me. You know, I check the phase on my phone, check it on an app, and then kind of, I know where it is in my chart. Um, So I write that down and then I do an Oracle card. So I pull a card. Mm -hmm. Um, I have lots of decks, but my favorite deck that I use pretty much the one I use every day is the threads of fate deck. Um, It's just, it's such a beautiful deck Mm. and I've used it for probably three or four years now. Um, Like not every single day, but you know, (laughs) most (laughs) days. Um, And so I, I do really feel like I have a relationship with that deck, you know, and I kind of have my own own connection to the cards and their meanings. So yeah. it's kind of nice to have a deck for your morning ritual. I think that you have that connection yeah. to, mm-hmm. and we're not like starting the day trying to figure out what does this card mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Kind of already. Yeah. <laughs> that sense of it. So I pull a card and I just do like a tiny bit of journaling, just like a paragraph of just like what comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I write down like a little bit of gratitude. So just a couple of things I'm grateful for, for the day. And then I pretty much just drink my tea and, and go about my day. Beautiful. I love starting my day writing down um, a bit of gratitude because I think, especially from like a manifesting point of view, it really puts you in that, I guess, gaining mindset because you're just like, I've got so many good things around me, even if it's like, I'm so grateful for my tea. I'm so grateful to be sitting in bed. It's like you just automatically start off in a negative rather than just, than just like missing that ritual together and where you're going oh I'm in a rush oh my gosh I need to do this like it just really like sets you up for I guess a successful day yeah definitely yeah and I feel like because I usually do about five things it's just a really quick easy little thing um and I do like a mix sometimes some of it's you know, really simple things like that. Like I'm grateful for this cup of tea or I'm grateful for the weather this morning or something like that. Um, Some of it'll be bigger things, you know, things that I'm really projects I'm excited about or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes one or two of them will be like more of a, from a manifesting side, you know, like I'm grateful that this thing that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. Yes. Yeah, 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 (laughs) Yeah. totally. I love that. I love that. Now, um, can you tell us what was your journey into witchcraft? Is, have you always been a witch? Is it has been from the very beginning or like, how did you, how did you start? Yeah. So I definitely feel like I always have been because even when I was a little kid, I, when I look back, I'm like, Oh yeah, you do. There's always <laughs> That's signs. <what> that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's that. I think mm-hmm. the first time that I really became aware that it was an option. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably in like middle school. Yeah. Um, and I started to learn about like Wicca and these different, different practices and that there mm. were people who followed the moon and that, you know, that was a thing you could do. Like yeah. I started to learn about that and I was really fascinated by it from probably like 
I don't know, 10, 11 years old on. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't actually, I think I was 18 when I first actually started practicing. So there was quite a few years where I was just like, this was a thing I was really interested in, but you hadn't named it yet. Yes. I hadn't Mm. named it as my own yet. I get Um, that. I'm not honestly sure like when that transition finally really happened, but I know I was about 18 when I actually started practicing. Um, and for me, originally it was very much the moon and the wheel of the year. Like those Mm -hmm. were the things that drew me. Um, I was never a huge spell work person. I do a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. definitely more now than then, but it was just never a huge, a huge focus. It was just, I felt really spiritual about the seasons and the moon. Um, And so, and it felt like it gave words to something I'd always felt, you know? Um, So I practiced for a few years and then I stopped practicing in college. um, I transferred to university and I was commuting really far and I just, I was like really overwhelmed. I was just at a point in my life. Mm. I was really overwhelmed with school and work and like being an adult and all And so I pretty much stopped practicing. Like I kind of intentionally was like, this isn't something I have time for. Mm. I wasn't feeling connected to it because I wasn't consistent with it. And so I kind of set it aside. I, and I kind of remember feeling like maybe someday this will be right again, but it's not right now. Yeah. Um, And so I stopped practicing for about two years. And then as we were briefly talking about before we came on, I survived a wildfire, um, mm. lost my home in a wildfire. And it was after the fire that I came back to my practice right. um, and really reclaimed it, recommitted to it, um, in, in a whole new way, a much more consistent way. Um, and that eventually led me to what I do now. So touching on the wildfire, can you tell me what happened? Because in Australia, especially we get wildfires a lot. Like summertime is a very sensitive time. Um, so what happened with you? I know in California, you guys get a lot of fires as well. So what, what happened with you? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a common, common experience. between Um, so when I was a kid, I mean, there was always wildfires. Like that was that was a thing, right? I mean, we yeah. have a warm, dry climate. So yeah. same thing, summer, late fall, like it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I remember being evacuated once when I was about seven, I think. Um, and I remember it being a very scary experience, but in retrospect, like we were evacuated for like half a day. We never even like we packed, but we didn't actually stay the night anywhere. Like, yeah. Like it was like a blip compared to what I know now, but, um, you know, it was a thing, like it, it was something that happened, um, occasionally, you know, it wasn't like out of the question, but it was something that happened, you know, once every few years, maybe, um, and so my fire that I lived through was 2015 mm-hmm. and it was really the first summer they've, they've really gotten worse and worse and worse in California since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was the first summer when they were what we considered at the time to be really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and so there had been fires burning all summer and it was September. Um, and it was the, it was such a strange day. It was like almost foggy, rainy that morning. Mm. Um, and it was just a, it was an accident. I mean, and in fact, most of the really bad ones in California have been just a fluke. Um, it, it was someone's wiring on their hot tub sparked and the wind just took it. It was really windy. Um, and so it started on a mountain kind of near where I lived. Um, and it came down the, came down the mountain, burned through a lot of the town. Um, and then I think my house was probably one of the farthest edge to burn. Um, but it really just like, it came down a dry Creek bed and it moves quick. So fast. So the mm. fire started about like 1 PM and no one was home, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but we think our house was probably gone between four and six. Wow. Um, I mean, it was, and it was miles between where it actually started. So it was mm. this like completely out of the blue, you know, no, there's just like, there's no warning with fire. I mean, it's a very, mm. I mean, obviously it's very elemental, right? Like there's this 
very unpredictable quality mm-hmm. to it. And so I left for work that morning and never went home. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and it was, it was my, my childhood home. It was my parents' home. And I was oh, set to no. move out seven days later. <laughs> that is insane. So, everything I owned was packed and in the house, you know, and thankfully we all had places we could go. People were amazingly generous. Um, and since then, you know, there's been two years later, there was a, well, so that fire, the fire that I lived through, um, burned about 1200 homes. And then two years later, there was a much larger fire that burned about 5,000 homes. Um, and that was, I was evacuated from that one too, oh my but I was God. fine. Um, and then the following year, maybe two years later, um, there was one more further east from me that's not very close to me, but was still in California that burned yeah. 10,000 homes. Um, and it's just, I mean, the, I, when mine happened, 1200 was a crazy number. Yeah. You know? So now it's almost normal, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that's just what happens. Like we, um, so in summer, well, we've, we're just at the end of summer, obviously here. Um, and thankfully for us, it was a wet summer. We, um, there was lots of rain. So, and I live in the hills here. So we've had a big fire. Uh, thankfully I wasn't here then, but they, there was a big fire here. And every summer you get alerts. Is it a red alert day? And if it is, you have to evacuate and all of those things. Um, but um around like the edge of Victoria and in New South Wales that's like fire hotspot there's always something and so every summer you kind of expect it but now in Queensland we've been having these crazy floods and they like it was about a week or two ago towns were just completely destroyed and now they flooded again and you go this is just normal life now and it's insane it just like if that's not a wake up call to pe- all the doubters out there, you go like, what more do you need? Because we shouldn't be used to this. This is meant to be a once in a hundred year thing, once in a 20 year thing, not a like annual thing. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. And you- no, I remember when, when our fire happened. Cause so the, in the several years after that, I worked in this small town that was near where I had lived. And my office at the time was right next to the fire department. And so I was like friends with all the guys at the fire department, saw them all the time. And they would talk about, especially after the second one, the the one that burned 5,000 homes, they would talk about, you know, the Valley fire, my fire was supposed to be a once in a career fire. You know, that was, that was supposed to be something any of them maybe saw once and then they saw it times three, two years later, you know, it's insane. Insane. It's insane. And it's funny because you said that that's when you found your path again. And I would almost think that people would almost be the opposite going like, why me? Like I've done all this work and you're meant to be protecting me. You're meant to like help me out. And here I am and my house is gone and I've lost everything, but yet you found yours. Like, how did that work? Yeah. So like I said, I hadn't practiced for two years before the fire and I th- it's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot lately that I've, I always say that, that I wasn't practicing, but I think in some ways I still really was. Yeah. I mean, I was still very aware of the wheel of the year and, yeah. and the moon to an extent, you know, like, I mean, those were things that I had done since I was a little kid. So mm-hmm. I think in many ways it was still with me. I just wasn't really actively practicing. Right. And so I, and I really thought it was something that was behind me. You know, I really thought at that point that it wasn't something I was going to go back to. Um, not for any particular reason. I just, I just didn't feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so about six months after the fire, I mean, I was, obviously it was a very difficult time, um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, everything in my life had changed. I had a new house, a new job, a new, every, you know, every single thing in my house was Mm -hmm. new. Like everything was new. Um, and I was just drifting, you know, I was just in that space where like, I just, I barely even remember <laughs> those yeah. months. Like there are, there are moments, there are things that I remember from it, but it just, it's such a blur. Like there well, was it's like all nothing. your roots were chopped. They're all gone. So of course you're like floating like a balloon. 
Exactly. And I, I really, I had always, even before when I had practiced, I had always identified as a cottage witch, like that yeah. word was always really close to me. And it was really interesting in those months after the fire to realize that like home was so important to me mm -hmm. and I didn't have it, you know, and we found a really beautiful little apartment that really served us at the time. And, you know, so I, I felt protected in that way but I just didn't have the roots. Yeah. And so it's kind of a funny story. So my roommate who was and is one of my best friends mm -hmm. since we were little kids, um, she, we have, well, so she moved back to California. She had lived elsewhere in the, the U S for several years and she was moving back to California so we could get a place together. Yeah. And she flew back in the day of the fire. Um, I was welcome home. <laughs> yeah, I was picking her up from the bus from the airport when I got the call about the fire. And it's why I wasn't home. Um, and she said, so she basically, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know what would have happened if mm. I really don't. I mean, it's, it could have been a completely different story. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, hadn't lost her home, although she had like basically grown up at my childhood home, you know, mm. so we were kind of going through this together. And so it was about six months, like we're both very like, you know, house people, like we want to decorate our space and have parties yeah. and whatever, but obviously that's not where we were at the time. And so it was about six months after the fire there was this like kind of crummy craft store <laughs> in our town that was going out of business and they were having a closing sale. So it was like every day, everything was like more and more discounted, you know? Amazing. And so we kept going. We were like, okay, we have to get some stuff for the house because there's nothing on the walls, right? Like, we yeah. Can't, we can't <laughs> like so we were going to this craft store like every day and like finding candles and stuff. And I found this poster and it was just one of those like cheap, you know, like posters that you see everywhere kind mm -hmm. of a thing. And it was one of those uh, like Victorian palmistry posters mm. and palmistry was never my thing. Like it was not, it was always, you know, a, a curiosity, something I was interested in, but it was never a language that I spoke, but for whatever reason, this poster just like grabbed me. And I was like, I don't know why I can't like put this poster down. And it was big. And, I, and we were broke. I was like, I can't afford like a nice big frame for this poster. So I'm like, you know what, if I can find a frame in this store that fits this poster, I'll take it home. Mm -hmm. And so I like walked to the back of the store where they had like the framing section. Right. And there, it was almost empty, right? The store was almost out of business, but there was like a stack of like 10 frames in the corner. Mm. And I walked over and I found one that fit the poster, like exactly. Meant and it be. was like $5. I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. I, I hear you. you. <laughs> I can get home. So I took it home and I hung it on the wall and it was like the only thing on that wall for months, <laughs> but it sparked something. It made me mm. curious. You know, it was like, I wonder, I wonder what's happening in that space. And so I just started Googling, you know, I don't even know what I Googled, but something witchy, right? Yeah. And I was completely shocked that in the two years that I'd been, you know, kind of gone, everything had changed. There were so many more websites and books yeah. and resources. And, you know, I mean, Instagram hadn't really been a thing before that. So that was completely new. Like there was just this incredible community mm. that had been like burgeoning when I had stopped practicing, but had grown in a completely like unbelievable way. Yeah. And so I pretty much like that week, I was like, you know what? this is what I've been needing. I need this anchor. I need this. I wasn't even looking for community yet. You know I mean? I wasn't even ready for that, yeah. but I was just looking for something to ground me again and yeah. to make me feel connected again and not, you know, full of grief. And I so like I started practicing and I started a blog to just for myself. It was just supposed to be a personal blog, um, that became loop and home. <laughs> I love that. And you know what, even though you don't practice palmistry, like how much is that hand such a representation of being like, like all things witchy, like you see it everywhere and automatically you go, you're a witch, you're a witch. It's just like one of those things. And I think it's like, it's so cool that that was sitting on your wall. Just like, Hey, you guess what? I'm here. I'm here for you. Yes, so, cool. so much. And I still have the poster. It still hangs in our bedroom. Oh, I like, love that. Yeah. 
That's so cool. Now you said that you uh, were a cottage witch. Do you still call yourself that now? I do. I do. I don't know where I came to that word. I was, I think I'd been practicing for a little while. You know, like I said, I started when I was about 18 and I'm not sure how old I was, but it, it couldn't have been too much after that, after yeah. I first started yeah. practicing, you know, I had seen like, oh, green witch and kitchen witch mm. and this and that. And they never quite resonated with me, but neither did eclectic witch. Like it just never really hit for me. I was like, it, mm. it doesn't feel like it describes who I am. Mm. And I don't know where I came across the word cottage witch. I wish I could remember, but I do remember it like really hitting and just feeling like, wow, like that, that's that amazing. is it. I don't know why, but that's it. Can you explain what a cottage witch is? Yeah. So for me, I mean, everyone kind of has their own definitions totally. right, that they resonate with, but for me, I find in, on a practical sense, it's in many ways, a combination of like kitchen and green witch, right? Yeah. Like it's, it kind of encompasses. Cause I, I never, I never really resonated with kitchen, witch, um, because it, I, I love to cook in many ways, but I, it's not, it's like, I like to bake for the holidays. Yes. I'm the <laughs> like, same. <laughs> that's it. Right. Like the rest of the time, my boyfriend wants to barbecue. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we I need eggs. So I'll cook. <laughs> exactly. It's an essential um, thing. So I was like, this is not like really a part of my spiritual practice. Yeah. Um, but you know, tea absolutely is yes. and, yes. and herbs definitely are and nature definitely is. Um, and so for me, cottage, which really means that my home, my sacred space, my sanctuary, those are really the heart of my practice. You know, like my practice centers around those feelings of mm. like comfort and coziness and like protection and sacredness. Um, and some of those like really very simple, like almost mundane kinds of rituals. Um, and so for me, like a lot of it has to do with the seasons and just like really being in tune with that. And like you saw on my, my Instagram <laughs> yeah. reel, like that's such an important part of my practice, you know, it's like decorating the house for the season yeah. and just like yeah. feeling like my space kind of embodies that energy, you know? Yeah, I um I'm exactly the same. Like I would say everything that you said then is basically me and even before I was a witch I was very seasonal. So like whenever Christmas was coming up, the house is decorated because I'm like, you're celebrating the season that we're in and it's so fun. And then Halloween, like even though now in Australia, it's getting bigger, like even as a kid, I was like, yes, let's decorate, let's get pumpkins. And so now it's like given me a reason to do it. I'm like, hell yeah, I get eight a year and I get to decorate and you can't say nothing about it. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I know. It's so funny because my mom was that way when I was growing up. Like, yeah, because I grew up in a very kind of, I don't know, almost kind of a spiritual family. Like my mom's family was Catholic and, but, and I went to a Christian school, but not for those reasons. And mm. so it was like spirituality and religion was always kind of in the background, mm -hmm. but it wasn't something that was like a really central part of my life. Yeah. And especially not like growing up but my mom was always very seasonal, like, and my mom's a florist. So like flowers, oh, I'd love to be like, a florist. That's her space. And she's so <laughs> good at it. Like she's so talented and she's like, she, the way I'm a nerd about astrology, my mom is a nerd about flowers. Like if you walk down the street, she's like pointing out like that flower <laughs> and growing in that bush over there is that and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> but she was always that way. I just, I grew up with that rhythm, you know? Yeah of decorating for fall and decorating for Christmas and, and then like cleaning the house in January and having it all yes. be clean yes. and fresh, you know, like that was just, that rhythm was always really important. Yeah. I, um, I'm pretty ruthless. Like I will start decorating for Christmas, um, right after Halloween. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. But then like on boxing day, I might like, get rid of it. It needs to go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over it. I'm like, I want like one more week. My mom's no. like, no. Time to go now. <laughs> and our kids are just like, no, the tree. I'm like, no, it's done now. Christmas is over. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so what are your favorite, like for people who also resonate with that cottage witch, what are your favorite rituals to do for that? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a hard question. There's a lot. (laughs) I mean, okay. So I definitely think that like the same theme of like decorating for the seasons and making that really intentional Mm -hmm. that like they, those really are rituals for me. And part of that is because some of it I've been doing since I was a little kid with my mom Mm -hmm. and then my roommate and I would do them together when I was older. And so that process of like pulling everything out and unwrapping everything and, and having that not, I don't like to do it for like every single holiday, but I kind of really am very seasonal, you know, it's like winter and fall and spring and a little bit with summer, um, or for summer, for me, it's more like outside, right? Like pulling the patio out and like getting the, getting the garden feeling all nice, you know, and just like that process of really having my space be in tune with the season, whatever that means at that point is just, I don't know, there really is a ritual to it. Like there was always something very sacred to me as a kid. Like my mom collected collects, um, like pumpkin figurines, which as you saw on Instagram, clearly so do I. started it. Um, and so that was like September 1st, every year we would pull all the boxes out and mm-hmm. unwrap all of them. And it was like something we did together, you know, and yeah. it really was like very sacred in its way. Um, and so I think I, I just kind of carried that into my practice, you know? Yes. Yes. I love that. We, um, so we are now in autumn and, going in like where I am especially it starts to get cold very quick so we're just about to order all our firewood and that to me is like again it's that yearly thing you do and you go oh it's gonna be so cozy (laughs) it's like I love that stuff and it gives you so much to look forward to like throughout the whole year there's always something coming up and I think like I've always been like that and I think you should embrace that because rather than going, oh, winter's coming, you're like, oh, I can drink more tea, we can have fires, and then it's going to go into spring. Like it's it's such a positive way to go through the year. I totally agree. I love how really flowing with the seasons that way, it, it always gives you something to look forward to. And it always gives you like a reason to love where you are, you know, I mean, so yeah. much about about the seasons and the moon and astrology and all these different cycles that I work with in my own practice and in my work, they're all about like giving you permission to be where you are, you know, and giving you that, like, this is the season we're in. This is the phase we're in. And that's where we're meant to be right now, you know, and really embodying that and embodying it where we personally are. Right. Cause I really feel that we all experience the seasons in our own way. Like for me, I love fall and winter. Like that's when I feel the most kind of myself, the most Mm -hmm. energized, but the summer partially because it's very, very hot here in the summer. Um, especially like later summer, early fall, Mm -hmm. it's very hot and it gets hotter and hotter every year. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's just not, and I mean, this is reflected in my astrological chart. Like it's not the period of the year when I feel most on, right. When mm. I have the most amount of energy. And that was something that I struggled with for so long. Cause I felt like I should, you know, like summer is supposed to be, you know, the active, like outgoing part of the year. And that's not how I felt. And really coming to understand these rhythms for myself and like yeah. how they show up for me has been so helpful in like, number one, letting me be more gentle with myself that like, it's okay that I don't feel as like jazzed about things in the summertime. Like yeah. that's okay. And also it helps me to like, give myself a little bit more energy, you know, to be like, okay, I can, you know, I can build these things into my life, into my practice so that I feel more rested. And I, you know, I can be excited about summer um, mm-hmm. instead of dreading it and just wanting to get through the, the hot part of totally. the year. Like, mm-hmm. So there's, there's that balance of both, like, it's okay to be feeling however you're feeling at any given point in the cycle. And also how can you you know, embrace the good parts of every yeah. part of this. It's very freeing as well to just like embrace exactly how you're feeling and acknowledging that it's all good to feel that way. You know, it's very just like that weight is lifted. Like you don't have to force yourself to be like, it's summer. I'm so happy inside you're dying. You know, you can just like relax and just go with that flow and your time will come. Can I ask what's your um, star sign? Yeah. So I'm a Taurus. Um, and then, yeah. And then I have, um, my moon is in Aries Mm -hmm. and my, I have Virgo rising. Oh, wow. Is that a lot of stubbornness? 
<laughs> yeah, it's well, it's actually really funny. So I have like in those three, there's a lot of earth, like Taurus and Virgo are both earth. I don't yeah. have a lot of earth elsewhere in my chart. Mm -hmm. Um, but those two like kind of most essential are very yeah. earthy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, now, so you have written a book all about self-care. And I thought that that was really cool because I feel like self-care is obviously now it's very it's everywhere people talk about it a lot but I do think that self-care is one of the things that people tend to drop first like everyone's happy to help someone who's in need and I always think about like your internal cup you're happy to like go oh here have some of mine have some of mine but then you have absolutely nothing left so this might be an obvious question but why do you think that self-care is so important for all areas of your life yeah, no, that's a great question. Cause I think you're absolutely right. It's the first thing that we mm. stop doing when things get overwhelming. And the reality is that when we feel overwhelmed or when we feel burnt out, like that's when we need it the most. Yeah. And that's when it's the most supportive, right? It's, it's not just, it's both preventative, right? Like self-care can help us to not go to those places, mm -hmm. but there's always going to be periods in our life when we're dealing with burnout or grief or something, totally. you know, and I think it's, it's both important to, like we were just saying, like give ourselves permission to not do the things sometimes, right? Like sometimes we don't have the energy for it and that's okay, but we can't like put it at the bottom of the to-do list forever because no. then we completely, we don't have anything left. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it really is so important because I mean, part of the way I approach self-care is for it to be really holistic. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, Self-care isn't just, I mean, it's funny because on the one hand, like no self-care is not just like bubble baths and pedicures and no. things like that. Although those things can be really supportive. Mm. Like they're not a bad thing. I think we like tend to swing, you know, yeah. really hard to one side <laughs> as like a society. Yeah. It's either like self-care is getting a pedicure every week or like pedicures are bad. Like, yeah, no. totally. It's not about how you look. Okay. None of the above. Uh, pedicures are great, but they're also not like really soul level work. No. Um, <laughs> so I think there's a really such a balance, right? So we have to like approach our self-care from this holistic perspective of like, how yep. can we nourish ourselves physically, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's like nutrition or movement or et cetera. How can we nourish our mental health and our, our spiritual health? How can we feel that like our lives are, are impactful and have meaning and, you know, that we're, we're fulfilled in that way, like making sure that our, our self-care, which is really this like holistic way we live our lives mm -hmm. is kind of fulfilling us on all these different levels and not either just focusing on one or neglecting one that would really kind of complete the whole picture. Yeah. You know? Balance. Yes. It's a big word. It is. What, um, so then what would your, in an, on an ideal day, just say you're in massive need of self-care. What is your ideal self-care ritual that you would do for yourself? I mean, I think it depends. Sometimes it's, a lot of it, well, because I do have a lot of earth energy, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it for me is physical in one way or another. So it like, it might be going to like a gentle yoga class and mm -hmm. getting a massage or something like that. Um, like those, I, I carry a lot of my like tension and burnout, like in my body. And so when I'm feeling that way, like it, it affects me physically. Um, and so on the one hand, some of it's that, right? Like just mm -hmm. really getting grounded and into my body and, and feeling supported in that way. On the other hand, I mean, I think that a lot of the like spiritual side of it can be really important for me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, even me, even <laughs> doing this for my work, like I still will, you know, kick it to the bottom of the to-do list sometimes too. <laughs> and it, sometimes it's hard to make time for your rituals and for the, the totally. ritual bath and to, to do a big card spread. And, and so sometimes for me, it's like really making that time and saying like, you know what, boyfriend's watching sports on the, on the TV and sitting on the bed, I'm going to be over here doing it's my go thing. time. <laughs> it's time for time for me mm. to really get into the ritual, you know? Um, so I feel like for me, it's that balance of like the physical and the spiritual when I really need it, but mostly I'd like the morning ritual and, you know, some of those like gratitude practices throughout the yes. day and things like that are 
almost more important because they're kind of like how I show up for it all the time. Mm. Um, and it doesn't have to be this big, long thing. You know, I mean, my no. morning ritual that I described at the beginning takes me like, you know, 10 minutes mm. and, and that's like, you know, that probably includes putting the dishes away, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's really short. It's really like, cause I'm, I'm busy. I get distracted. I want to get into my work day, you know, like I'm not spending hours and hours doing a spiritual practice. Mm. And I know some people are, and that's incredible, but it's not me. Like it's, you're not going to find me doing that. And so so much of, I think a really sustainable self-care practice is like little things that you're doing all the time. Yeah. And you know what? I love that because I think people in their minds, they do think self-care is like a four hour process. And I love that you go even that five, 10 minutes in the day, that is self-care that is totally attainable. And it takes away that like overwhelm that you feel like, I just don't like, I want to do it, but I just don't have the time that just like totally simplifies it as well. Like anybody can do it. Even the act of making yourself a coffee and just sitting for two minutes and drinking it like that just really fills you up. And that's like something you can look forward to. And I think, yeah, I really, really like that. And I like that you said also about tuning in to what you need on a deeper level, like for you, like ground, because you're very earthy, that grounding practice is so important. And I think, I mean, I don't even know if I do that, because I am a double fire, I'm double Leo moon and sun. So to think like, for me, I think when I'm doing stuff that makes me really, I'm really passionate about and like even writing down goals and stuff that like kind of sparks that Leo passion. So I think it's cool to look at it that way to kind of get to know yourself a bit more and feed your soul rather than just like your toes, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I, I really find that astrology is such an amazing tool for, I mean, you can use it for basically anything, mm. but I really started using it for self-care was like, how can we create practices that make sense for us? Because, you know, I mean, we, it's always fun to hear about other people's rituals and what are they doing yeah. and get inspired that way. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, that thing doesn't sound very good to me no. or you try it and you're like, this not seems me. like it should work, but it's not for me. No. And so your astrology can kind of help you like clear away a lot of that noise of like what kinds of practices are actually right for me. I mean, for some people, you know, it's meditation, but if you have mm. like a lot of fire, like sitting in meditation for an hour is like probably going to be really hard. So, you know, really looking to your chart to understand like at the very least, the elements is such a great place to start with it. Yes. Is like what elements are strong in my chart. And then either choosing practices that are, you know, really connected to those elements that are going to help you to like feel yourself and feel mm -hmm. energized. And, or sometimes we want to bring in practices that balance those things. Like if you're feeling like, okay, I've got a lot of fire in my chart, but I'm also like burning myself out all the time. Like, cause I'm yeah. just like, go, go, go too much. Then bringing in some like earthy or watery practices yep. is going to help you like come back down, you know? Yes. So like, I think the elements are such a powerful way to approach astrology. I totally agree because like I said, I've got lots of fire, but my place I go to relax is at the end of the day, I have a bath and that totally brings me down. And if I leave that and don't have a bath for a week, I'm like, <sighs> I can feel myself like getting really like snarky and not the nicest version of myself. So yeah, I totally agree. Like finding like the yin and yang, you know, the opposites, they need to balance you out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like, it's so helpful to understand those things about yourself. And yeah. they, I mean, it's the same thing, right? That they give us permission to be who we are. They give us permission yeah. to be like, you know, this is the parts of me that feel most natural instead of feeling like, oh, but I'm, I should be more like yes. that. Or I should be more like this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, now, so you have two beautiful books. I love them. And like the modern witches guides books are like, I know that was one of my very first books I ever read. Um, so that's so exciting. You've got two of them. What, how did, how did all that come about? Like, have you always been a writer? Like how did they manifest into your life? Oh my gosh. Okay. So yes, I've always been a writer. When I was mm -hmm. a kid, I was always writing like fiction of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I mean, and research stuff too. I just, I always loved to write. Yep. Um, and so I was, let's see, it was 2019 
And I'd been doing the, the loop and hollow blog for like almost three years at that point. Yeah. So I had <laughs> written quite a bit and I was starting, I had launched like my first like group coaching program a little bit before. And so I, and that program was really about self-care. Mm-hmm. And so I had been creating a lot of blog posts and like YouTube videos and things about magic and self-care and kind of everything we've been talking about. And it was all just, you know, kind of connected to this program that I was running and definitely writing a book was always something I wanted to do, but it was like not on my radar at all. Number one, I had never really written nonfiction in that way. Like I wrote blog posts, but not like book length. nonfiction. there's a big difference. Um, (laughs) Very different. And it's funny because now it's been so many years since I've written fiction of any kind, but at the time, like nonfiction felt like this new territory. Mm. Um, And number two, I was not completely out of the broom closet. Um, Wow. What an entrance. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. So I had this blog that I think at that point, I think I did have my real name on the blog, but it was like, I was relatively quiet about it. Right. Yeah. And I was like semi outed, like I got kind of outed at work, yeah. um, not really on purpose, which was a blessing because <laughs> it was like, okay, now it's I'm done now. this thing that nobody actually cares about. Mm. Um, but I was still like not super open. And there was still a lot of people in my life that didn't know this about me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been creating all this content and I got an email one morning and I had been in the process of like, kind of trying to leave my job for like a year. Um, and I <laughs> loved my job, but I knew it was time to move yeah. on. And I, I really kind of wanted to run my business, but I didn't know what that looked like. You know, I was like, I don't even know if that's possible. And so it was like, right about the time that I was like, just on the edge of making this decision, right? Where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm doing it. The universe it. is like, I'll help you. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I like wake up one morning to this email from this woman saying like, I found your, you know, your blog and your YouTube channel. I think the content you're creating is really awesome. Uh, I'm an editor for a publishing house and we want to break into the space. We'd have very few books in the like spiritual genre, yeah. but we know it's a really big genre and we really want to bring in some great authors in this space. And we want to write, we want to publish a book about magic and self-care. Do you want to cool. write it? And I was like, <gasps> nah, <"What?" laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Nah, I'm fine. Like, oh my God. <laughs> So they asked me to write a proposal and I did, and they, you know, it was like a two page proposal that was the topic, but otherwise I could pretty much submit whatever I wanted. And so I, I put it together and they offered me a book deal and it that was is so cool. the craziest experience yeah. because I, it wasn't even something that I was really actively trying to manifest. It was just, I, I knew I needed the next step, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just came completely out of nowhere. And then my second book actually was really funny. I had emailed my editor. So the first book came out October, 2020, um, which of course was a little bit of a bummer because I didn't get to do a book launch of any kind. Yeah. But perfect timing for people. Cause everyone was like, hell yeah, we need self-care right now. <laughs> We're all mental. So, <laughs> it was so funny because like the whole, the couple of months before it came out, you know, I was doing podcasts and stuff and everyone is like, did you do this on purpose? Like, when did you start writing this? I'm like, no, no I swear I turned in the manuscript in January. Did you start like, COVID? Was this your fault? <laughs> I swear I knew nothing. Uh, yeah, it was perfect. So it came out in October, 2020. And then I had emailed my editor in January of last year with just like a practical, like taxes question. Like I was just like, you know, Hey, can you send me that paperwork? Kind of thing. And she's like, oh, while I have you, we're really happy with the first book and we want to write, we want to publish a book on natural magic. And I was like, nah. <laughs> right again. And it was funny because I had even, someone had asked me like, are you going to write another book? And I was like, I mean, I'd love to, but I think it's a year or two out. Wow. And then it was like, right after that, she, she asked me this. And I, I remember at the time I was like, I definitely, I mean, yes. Like no matter what I want to do this but I didn't know what I was going to write about because the, like yeah. the phrase natural magic was it's not big. a phrase I used. Mm. But I was like, I don't know what to write about. And she was like, just send me a proposal. Just whatever <laughs> just you do think it. And we'll <laughs> from there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so it just like came out of me. So the, the new book, the natural magic book is all about 
the seasons and the moon phases and astrology and how they're all like interconnected and then how we can use plants to get grounded in them. Wow. Um, beautiful. Cycles. And it just like, it just came, it just came through. It's me. like it just, you in a book. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> And do you have like a ritual for like, I guess, uh, your creative flow and to get inspiration? Do you have something that you do before you start writing or is it just kind of like go with the moment? It's kind of go with the moment. The only things that I would say are, one is I actually really like to write like at the coffee shop. Um, I just like, mm. there's something about the energy of that, that I really mm -hmm. like, even it's funny because I actually, I rent this little office space mm -hmm. outside of my house. Um, cause we don't have the best internet at my house. And yeah. I realized I was like, not leaving the house for weeks at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I need an office. So I rented yeah. a little office in town. that's like a few minutes from the house. And I actually, I didn't write any of the book here <laughs> at mm. the office because I just, it's funny. Like it's, it's a different vibe to me than like my regular work. Yeah. Um, and I write a lot. I mean, I write articles, I write, you know, things for, I have a membership. We write things for every month. Like, so I write a lot like at my desk, but something about writing the book, it just like needed a different energy. And so I, it's I really like you're putting a giant puzzle together, you know, you need to lay it out on a big table. It's like that kind of process. Yeah. It's just like a different, I needed a different surrounding. I needed totally. a different headspace for it. Um, and yeah, so I wrote most of it, this new one at the coffee shop. Um, cause there's just something really kind of supportive about that kind of like, there's like a, a good calm energy, you know, there's mm. like, there's people and there's, there's noise and it's separate from my house and separate from my office. I'm not distracted. Yeah. I'm not doing other things. Like, so there's kind of a practical and energetic piece to that. Um, and then one thing I definitely do um, is I, when I'm working, both writing and other work, but um, I tend to drink a lot of like Earl Grey tea or cinnamon tea. Um, like the bergamot and the cinnamon are both really great for like motivation and inspiration. Yeah, and right. Things like that. So, so I will do that. Like I'll, you know, I'll drink certain teas or work with certain cool. herbs or diffuse certain oils or things, you know, that are kind of like aligned with what I need. I love that. And did you, um, did you ever experience writer's block? You know, it, with this one, I don't feel like I did because mm -hmm. it was so structured. The first half of the book, well, and I mean, I guess really they're both kind of set up the same way. The first half of the first book is almost kind of like a workbook. It's almost kind of instructional on like how to create your own rituals. Yeah. Um, and then the second half is all suggested rituals in like different categories, different yeah. areas. Um, and then the second book, the first half is all about like, you know, what are these different cycles of nature and why do we care about them? How do they impact us? Mm -hmm. And then the second half is all recipes. Um, and the second book especially is like very structured. There's a recipe for every new moon, for every full moon, for every festival. Like it's, mm -hmm. so it was kind of easy to just, you know, break it up into these sections where I was like, okay, I'm writing, you know, all of these kinds of recipes right now. I'm, I'm working on oil blends right now. Like, mm -hmm. so I feel like the, the second book really flowed very naturally because yeah. it was like, I mean, it was things I can just talk about all day long. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> the first book like that, I think was a little bit more of a, like, I really had to, I had to figure out how I wanted to present the information. You know, mm -hmm. the second book was just like, these are my favorite things in the world and here's a book about it. Yeah. Thanks for letting but. me just talk to about it nonstop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Um, now, so we've talked about your morning. Do you have an evening ritual? I don't really. Mm -hmm. It's always something like, I feel like I want to do more with. Yeah. Um, definitely still usually like a cup of tea before bed. Mm -hmm. Um, what tea? I drink a lot of, I'd say probably my two favorites for bed are I'll drink one that's like, it's black tea, but it has lavender in it. Mm. Um, and it's like a lot of lavender. It's like 50, 50. Nice. Um, that's really like, it's still, you know, it's still caffeinated. It's still kind of energizing. So I'll drink it at other times of day too, but it's very like 
you can really taste the lavender mm. in it. Um, so I like that for nighttime or um, really any like white peony tea is mm -hmm. a favorite. Um, so usually kind of something in that, yep. that space. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, sometimes I suppose like most nights I probably watch the sunset. We have a beautiful view off our back mm. deck. Um, so, you know, just kind of, I think it's, it's more subtle in the evening. It's just kind of like an awareness of, you know, the sun going down and getting dark and kind of coming into that different, different part of the day. Um, and I, I, one thing I absolutely love about where we live is the connection to the seasons. Cause we have like off of our back deck, there's just like nothing behind the house. So it's all, all nice. open. It's mm. so beautiful. There's lots of like birds and animals and it right faces the sunset. And so you can watch throughout the year, like in at the winter solstice, the sun sets like way over to the side behind a tree. And at the summer solstice, it's like far on the other side. Ah, of the cool. And so it's really cool to just like kind of every night, like see that progression of mm. the sun moving and the light changing and I don't know. So I think it's kind of more of like a, an awareness than a ritual. <laughs> and that's like such a um, good connection to old world magic and, or just old world living where they would like watch where the sun is and that it's not like they could go and put their calendar on the wall and go, we're on April 12th. Like they would go, there's a sun and there it travels there. Like that's how they dictated everything. So that's kind of a cool connection to old world, you know? It is. It's amazing. I remember because so it's my boyfriend and I rent his mom's house, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's where he grew up. His mom built this beautiful house and it's it's just on this beautiful piece of property. And one of the things I love about it is just how clearly you can see the seasons and the mm. stars. Like I remember not long after we started dating, there's like a trampoline in the backyard. Um, yeah, you know, there's a trampoline <laughs> in the backyard. Uh, and we will in the summertime, we always will go out there and we'll take a big blanket outside and lay on the trampoline and just oh, watch fun. the stars. I love and doing I remember, that. It's amazing. Mm. And it's really funny because where I grew up when I was a kid, like we had we were very rural. There was no light pollution. Like you could see lots of stars. But I don't really ever remember sitting outside and like really watching the constellations. Yeah. And the first time that he and I did that, we just laid outside and for hours just talking. And it was, you know, it was like a warm night. Like it was just like the perfect, perfect opportunity for it. And I remember actually being able to watch the constellations like move across the sky. And I think it was one of those first moments where I felt like really kind of embodied connection to astrology, you know, where it's not just like abstract but like really mm. like there's that constellation and I can see it in movement, it's a real you know? thing there was just oh just really really beautiful and powerful and yeah very ancestral in a lot of ways I love that that's really nice um now before we finish I have five questions for you these are like the spitfire round questions so here we go what is a okay. movie you could watch a thousand times and never get sick of so many. <laughs> um, okay. My like standard witchy answer would of course have to be practical magic. Oh yeah. Um, but I would also probably say national treasure. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, what is a book that's changed your life? Mm. Um, one would definitely be, um, cottage witchery by Ellen Dugan. It yep. was probably the first book, like way back in the day where I really, I'm pretty sure I came to the word before I found that book, but I think it's the first book where I really connected with that, that concept. Um, so I would definitely say that really like helped me get grounded in you know, kind of who I am. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. I have to check that out. Actually. I feel like I've known that book or oh, I have, do I have that book? I'll have to look. It sounds so I, familiar. Just saw, I think she posted on Facebook or Instagram recently that it was like the 25th anniversary or something like that. Whoa. So, so I'm like, okay, yeah, that was definitely a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you have an animal that you have a close connection with? 
Uh, like an, an individual animal or an individual animal? or it could be tight. could be either or. Okay. Um, well, it's a good thing. There's more questions because I want to end on a downer, but uh, <laughs> uh, I did have a little kitty. Um, her name was pumpkin. She was a little tortoise shell. Um, mm. I did lose her in the fire. Unfortunately, oh, no. but, but I do, I, I do still, I mean, it's been seven years. Um, it's and never, I dreamt it's never not sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely the hardest part was losing our pets. Um, yeah. she was just, she, she came to us. Um, she was my mom and I's cat really. She yeah. came to us on, on a harvest moon. She was a little abandoned kitten that just like turned up on our porch basically. Yeah. And she was very special. She was very special. I do have, although I don't have any pets of my own right now. Um, mm-hmm. My boyfriend's mom does have a little calico named Bella. Um, so I get to, I get to play with the kitty. I just, <laughs> one day, one day. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you want to go? Mm. My favorite place that I have been is definitely Scotland. Um, I want to go there so much. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm very much Scottish ancestrally. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it is such a powerful place for me as like, it's, it just feels like home. It just feels like somewhere you're meant to be for me. Um, I've been a couple of times and it's, just really, really magical. I got to go by myself, um, for five days, a couple of years ago. And it was just Mm. like, so magical. I was like, so jet lagged and it was the middle of winter and it was like this crazy, crazy experience, but it was just like, I felt so connected the whole time. So yeah, I can't wait to go back. I want, it's like, I would say that's probably my number one place as well right now. I want to go because it is like deep rooted witchy magic there. Like it just feels to me like it would be everywhere. And I'm, I'm so jealous that you've been, I want to go so much. It's amazing. It is seriously (gasps) amazing. Yeah. It when the last time I was there, it was January and it snowed, which I guess it, I was in Edinburgh and I guess it doesn't mm. usually snow in Edinburgh. It's like maybe once a year, um, which I didn't realize, mm. but it was so beautiful. It was so uh, just like, oh my God, I, just all the pictures of me. I'm like <laughs> freezing to death and I have this like beanie on and I look just like tired and frozen, but I'm just like <laughs> beaming. Like, I'm, I'm so happy really right so now. <laughs> All right. Last question. What does happiness look like for you? Mm, I think in a lot of ways, it's like contentment, you know, that like things are kind of peaceful and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like worry or tension. Things just get to be, you know, in, in alignment, in flow with everything we've been talking about that, you know, you're just kind of you're just really at peace and content with the the space and the people around you and Mm -hmm. feeling supported. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much. It's been like such a pleasure talking to you. You're totally, my, our brains are the same. We are connected. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. This is such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. Where where can people find you as well? If they want to go and stalk you and see all your things. Yeah. So everything's pretty much on my website. It's just mm-hmm. which of Yep. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at loop and hollow. Um, and I have a Facebook group. It's not as active as it could be, but, um, <laughs> but I have a Facebook group that sometimes is really active, um, called empowered modern witches. Beautiful. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. You're a total legend. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Isn't she just so beautiful? Such a beautiful soul. Like I said, I had so much fun chatting with Tanae and I hope that you enjoyed listening. Uh, Now, if you would like to connect with me more, you can find me over in all sorts of places now. I have to try and remember them all. So you can find me at Instagram and on Facebook under Wiccan Sage. Uh, You can find me at Patreon under Rose Thorn Cottage. Um, but you know what I would really love if you are really enjoying this show 
and you want to support it, I would love it if you could just maybe give it a thumbs up or leave a review because it just allows the show to go out to even more people. And I have already, I think I'm only not that many episodes in, but I have already received some of the most beautiful messages from people who have listened to the the show and they have really resonated either with my story or one of the guests that have been on, but they've in some way it's really connected with them and it's really helped them and they've learned something and they feel good about their own journey. And that's like one of my main goals with this podcast is to like, obviously not only normalize this path and show people just how like non-scary it is and not, it's actually just such a beautiful way of life, but to just like make people feel like they're not alone And, you know, there's other people that have been through it who think just like them, who feel like them. And so to know that I've already been able to do that to all those beautiful people that wrote to me and maybe even more just is like, it's just really cool. So yeah, if you, if you want to share the, the podcast, if you want to review It just means that we can get it out there to even more people and maybe help some witches who are feeling really alone in this world. Um, And not only that, it would make my heart so warm and fuzzy. So if that's what you feel like doing and that's what you feel called to do, then um, I would really appreciate that. But uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.